0: Oh, sexy man. They said that they weren't using video, so I could
1: just wear whatever I wanted. You look a little like Steve McQueen. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to literally fun one today. I love when I have musicians on, because I'm a music nerd, and um, I am in awe of people who have perfect pitch and can write a catchy jingle, and today we have Charlie Puth, who can do both, has both, has perfect pitch, and can write catchy stuff, both, anything. And we're going to jam out, Um, I think he brought a a particularly shitty little Casio to play. Um, Beep, boop, boop, beep. I I, would have thought it'd be (laughs) something a little more expensive, to play on the show, but you know, you take what you can get from um, a mega superstar recording artist like Charlie Puth. So, um, hang on, here we go. Where are you right now, by the way? I'm I'm s- I'm uh, I'm in the house. I'm downstairs. I'm in the in the uh, like media room. Okay. So, for you guys that don't know, Charlie and I nerd out over music, and we we sit there and try to figure out. But, but, but listen again, I'm just I'm just I'm just going to put it out there. It's a little yacht rocky, and don't judge me. And but it's the <laughs> music fine. I grew up on. You know, when I, I when I would get in my grandpa's car and drive up to his house, he had the Carpenters going. You know, what am I gonna do? I like rainy days I and Mondays. Good. Oh, wait, oh, that's I, even I, I say goodbye again is the, is the fucking shit. So the what the amount of
0: drugs that guitar player at the end of that song was taking when he we they went through the Carpenters did the most. They went. They had no problem going they they love going around the circle of this. Rainy Days and Mondays always get down. They did this. The, that's what's genius because it doesn't resolve completely and it kind of mimics what's lyrically going on, like rainy days and Mondays always get me down. And it would feel the lyric would feel so much different if it were these types of chords. simpler, simpler chords don't make the lyric, but if they did that chord, rainy days and Mondays always make me, uh, bring me down, it sounds too triumphant, but they did the cluster chord, they put the D and the E flat together, rainy days and Mondays always bring me down, and then, like, you want to hear the next verse, it's just, it's, I, I, that's, that's the genius of the Carpenters. That they were able to take their lyrics and make the chords sound like the lyrics. If that makes sense, Roblo.
1: I think Richard Carpenter just had her at her lock and key. He was just mm-hmm. like, "Karen Carpenter, you have no f- life. Just fucking hit your drums and sing. It'd be miserable." <laughs> I, I didn't kids. know she played drums. She played drums. She plays drums on every track. I had no idea. See, there's some
0: things I don't know. I had see, no idea. She see, there's actually... a little
1: bit Roblo knowledge, right?
0: But that's what's great about you. Wait, explain. So she would sing and play the drums like
1: Phil Collins? I don't I mean, obviously I don't know if she recorded the vocals while she was playing, but she's the drummer. I know in concert she, she did yeah, she did. Absolutely. Isn't that crazy. That's unbelievable. it's it's interesting hearing records, uh,
0: because her and her brother produced those records, and hearing the mixes from a predominantly drumming Background because if you listen to, uh, what, why am I blanking on the Phil Collins record from In the Air Tonight? the, the Air uh, easy, easy Lover, the oh, collaboration, right? Yes. The drum, the, when you, when them- like the drums are so bright on that, they're unusually yeah. bright for a record that came out in that year. And, I believe the drums are so prominent and so forward in the mix, more so than any other instrument in the records, because it was Phil playing the drums. And of course, it's like me uh, uh, have uh, uh, the piano was always going to be the forefront in yeah, the records for sure. that I mix. I guess that was the same situation uh, with the with the Carpenters, but they. i yeah. I wonder who would layer all those vocals because there's a lot of things I don't know about their process. Well,
1: it's, uh, that, that's again, that's Richard keeping her down, man. Richard's like, you know what? We're burying that drum. It also says that that seventies Springsteen has a great quote uh about um hit records in the in the 70s um make make him sometimes make him want to gag and make his skin crawl because everything sounds like it's covered in velvet. And <laughs> and yeah, well. it's so dead. Like the drums are so dead, it sounds like it literally sounds like she's hitting pillows. <laughs> Maybe she's, I, I think they were known to stuff
0: uh, some of the drum kits with towels. So probably like dead them out a little bit, but that's coming from Bruce. He's a genius. So there's no disrespect to him at all. It's just way different music. Like he had, well, the Carpenters. Wait, were, for those uh, of you
1: don't know, wait, for, for those of you who don't know when during the COVID, in the middle of COVID, you did an amazing uh, uh, New Jersey fundraiser. pandemic relief fund. Yes. And, uh, and, and yeah. but walk us, walk us through how that went down. Cause it's, it's just too good a story. Because anything that involves um, Springsteen, by definition, is too good a story. See, see, it wasn't Bruce who called me, but it was
0: a, a good friend of mine who uh, uh, told my manager that I should be involved in uh, this New Jersey pandemic relief fund. That would Goldberg and Danny DeVito and all these New Jersey icons were going to be part of it. Um, but I was like the youngest guy on there. It's like. I, they want me on there. So uh, I, I. it was then after I... You're like, to I'm not going to play with my um,
1: grandparents.
0: No, no. But <laughs> I, uh, I had John Landau reached out and was like, I'd love for you to pre- perform a Bruce song. And I wasn't going to perform one of my own songs anyway, because that just felt weird and kind of making it about um, myself. I understand if you're like a legend like Bon Jovi, but you can play your so- own song. But like I had to kind of, you know bow down to New Jersey, so I was very happy yeah. to play uh, cool. uh, Growing Up by Bruce Springsteen, for Bruce Springsteen. Ah,
1: amazing. Growing Up, what a great... And how did it go? How Were you happy with it? I know the reaction was great, but meanwhile, on Twitter, all anybody wanted to talk about was they could see that you <laughs> hadn't made your bed in the background. Yeah, which goes to show you no matter how much <laughs> time and effort you put into <laughs>
0: Like, I practiced that song. It took me a week to really, because I was nervous. like, I I didn't want to be railed by Bruce Springsteen fans, you know, saying (laughs) this kid with a high voice is going to sing, is going to sing all high pitch on, you know, this very masculine growing up song about, you know, coming out the trenches of Asbury Park, New Jersey. Yes. Um, But uh, everybody was fixated on the fact that I was performing in front of many, many millions of people and uh put an unmade bed make my bed but it was
1: there was something endearing about it i guess look but here's the thing maybe bruce is only yeah. is the only person who should be pissed about that would be your mother like if your mother's like Charlie. by love that i'm imitating your mother like she's a battle axe i have met your mother she's awesome. Yeah. she does not speak yeah, do like that, that. <laughs> no only when she's mad at me no she
0: doesn't you guys met, you guys met at uh in at a restaurant
1: yeah. And this is also, by the way, one of the fun things about doing the podcast is that I thought, you know, I, I ha- I'm so blessed and lucky to have such a, a diverse group of friends. And a lot of them are like unlikely. I, I, like- I can proudly say that I
0: know Rob Lowe and I spoke to Clive Davis just the other day. And that is a huge, uh, a huge accomplishment in my life. And I'm in my own recording studio in Los Angeles. Um, I'm very, very motivated with everything that's going on right now.
1: Clive, um... Oh, there we go. Those dulcet tones. That's why Bruce said
0: that uh, the Carpenter sounded like everything was wrapped in velvet. By the way, I miss how musicians used to speak like... More freely, like they weren't so like uh, there was no Twitter. So Billy Joel would be like, you know, I don't really like the way Elton plays keyboards sometimes. I like some of his songs, but it, it sounds like really bangy. Like you could, if I said that about another musician, I would be quote canceled.
1: I, you know, you know me, I, I, I could nerd out like like at night. I go down YouTube wormholes of of behind the scenes music type stuff. I'm currently because uh, my kids just watched The Graduate for the first time, Johnny and Matthew and they mm-hmm. they just loved it. So we we're going down a uh a, a um, Simon and Garfunkel. So on my one man show, which I got to invite you to next time I'm I'm out on the road playing, I close it. Yes. I I the only I only have one music cue underneath my show. It's just it's me talking. It's basically like a stand-up uh tour. But at the end, I I bring up um the uh cor- the uh, sort of um, last little bit of Only Living Boy in New York by Simon and Garfunkel, and, which is one of my favorite songs. And so I was going down this YouTube hole yesterday and saw a, a concert and Paul says, um, in 1969, Art Garfunkel left New York City to go film Catch-22 in Mexico. And I wrote this song. Right. And I never realized that the song's about art. Garfunkel and so it gives a whole other meaning to what to one of my one of my favorite songs we got that song uh, got that devin i mean
0: what is he saying what is he saying in that song i don't i don't know that song
1: oh oh bro i'm so excited that you don't know this song no. so no, it, I don't know it. It is, you know, the, that lyric, Tom, get your plane right on time. I know your part will go fine. I'm the only it's basically it's basically friend left behind by another friend. Like at the height of their powers already went and fucked off to Mexico and filmed a movie. And Paul was left alone in New York City and wrote that song. It's it's in B major. It doesn't even sound like a diss
0: record. It's just. It doesn't even sound like he's throwing shade. It's. It sounds like a beautiful. Okay, th-
1: you're right. Piece of art. Yeah, it, it, that's my thing. Is I, I think that their rivalry is overrated. And, and what's interesting is, you know, Artie became the movie star, not Paul. <laughs> There's a joke about Simon and Garfunkel.
0: What is Simon with What is Simon without Garfunkel? And the answer is wildly successful. <laughs> Not true. Voice of an angel. Not true. Voice of an angel. Have you ever heard Art Garfunkel and James Taylor sing, uh, All my rain. It sounds very 1993, uh, Art Garfunkel-y. Yeah. And it has, it, it's, it's, it's very like reverb and there's a live version where they sang right in front of the World Trade Center. Mm. Um, Right, right after the '93 bombing, and it was like a really nice—I don't know—it was like a really, really nice moment. Them play, playing in the park,
1: yeah. The concert in Central Park, Simon and Garfunkel concert in Central Park, is is what I've been nerding out to, and and the again, f- I've ne- I've never seen that. Oh, amazed. Produced by Lorne Michaels, mm. one of the first concerts in in the park. And it's just hit after hit, and he's got a killer. Everybody in the the band is like, you know, that era's killer session players. And um we were we were talking about this one time. It's like you
0: in order for like you to go to the studio and record the track and then layer the vocals later, you had to like there was you know, you there was a multi-track, but not nearly as many tracks as you can do today in Pro Tools, the capability that we have today, you can really come into a studio and learn the song and play it and have it sound pretty decent um, after four hours. You had to like, like when, when when Brian Wilson was recording the Beach Boys, if you were a musician on set and you didn't know your part, he would kick you out. And that's why when it came to playing it live, you will have rehearsed it so many times. It's almost like it sounded better live. That's why everybody always said
1: that. It's funny. I, I also go the other way on it too. And I, I look. I love Prince. He's. I mean. I mean. Come on. Who doesn't love Prince? But, but sometimes when you'd see him, yeah, you know, he would. He was. He would, like, do thirty seconds of Little Red Corvette, maybe less, and then go into mm-hmm. something else. You're like, no, no, no. I like. Little Red Corvette. I like, I like it, and I like it the way it was on the. I, I, I want to hear it. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Uh, it's 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 almost artful. I think if the term is artful disappointment. Mm. Like there is, uh, and, and, and there's a, there, there's no way of saying this without sounding uh, kind of pompous. But there's, it's it's almost like the artist wanted to dupe the audience, like kind of cherish in their misery of like not playing oh for like sure prince playing controversy uh i don't know what's the tempo like whatever that tempo is he's playing it 10 bpm up and making it sound like too fast but maybe yep. like the energy was up on stage but like me as an audience member i'd be like fuck man i really want i want it to sound like
1: it did in the studio Total, and then and then there are times when you'll see an, an artist play something that is emblazoned into your cerebellum, and you know every fill, and just with the phrasing, mm-hmm. they change it, and it's a whole different song. And 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 yeah, Bruce does that a, a lot. I mean, on like "Darkness of the Edge of Town" is my favorite Bruce song, probably. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And there's a version we're live at the Apollo is and it's like it's just the difference of Bruce singing it now as a older middle-aged man and oh, but yeah. with the same kind of like anger which is the kind of the middle-aged man anger is not the same anger as a 23 year old person it just isn't there's a lot of records that i feel like a lot of
0: people like They like the live version more than this. Like, I like Landslide. That's so insane you were going to say
1: that. It's insane because I was (laughs) about to say my favorite version of that is the difference between Stevie Nicks singing I'm Getting Older Too in the album in 1977 and Stevie Nicks singing Mm -hmm. I'm Getting Older Too in 2019. It's a different thing. The version they always played on the radio
0: uh, when she said, "This one's for you, Daddy." Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's almost. I start. I heard that version so many times that I started. You know, when you watch a sitcom, you'd watch Cheers, and you can hear the laugh track sometimes. Yeah, you always hear one guy go that, like, in the background. Totally. Yeah, you always. You, one, it's yeah. like, and, and you know, being in TV and movies, like you hear the same laugh. Like I would watch Nickelodeon sitcoms, and I'd hear the same Dan Schneider laugh track. Whoa, whoa And, <laughs> and I I started, to, I started to listen to that Stevie, uh, Stevie Wonder, Stevie Nick's landslide, and I, I would like say, oh, the, the whistle comes in right now and it's going to hit a
1: yep. ah, C- sharp. <laughs> I know. I know that's the only thing about about live stuff that can be weird, but I, I mean, do you think your, your music what, I mean, do you ever picture yourself singing it at 55? And what that will be like for you, because I think good music, which you obviously do, just takes just continue. It doesn't become irrelevant. Like Mick Jagger has that famous uh, phrase uh, Mm. quote where he said, I don't want to be singing satisfaction when I'm 60. Well, right. Not only does he sing satisfaction, but seeing Mick come out on tour after battling uh, that health issue, I think it might have been cancer. Mm -hmm. It has a whole new resonance, a whole new fulfillment. And you see Mick for the first time and you love him again. And I I think that's, what's cool about playing songs that are, you know, maybe you wrote at your age and you'll get to sing them when you're much, much older. I'm happy to sing songs like, uh, that I wrote,
0: like, like see you again. I wrote, uh, in, I wrote when I was 23 and, which is now starting to feel like a long time ago. Yeah. I'm 28, Jesus. Jeez. And I, 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 uh, I wrote that song as a remembrance for my friend. And then that turned into uh, being a remembrance for Paul Walker. And then that turned into people realizing, hey, this song, this worldwide phenomenon hit uh, that's played everywhere uh, uh, in summer of 2015 Uh, It can also be a graduation song. It can also be uh, a casual, hey, just thinking of you song. It doesn't have to just be uh, a funeral song. And I think that goes with the person who's singing it, too. Um, Like, uh, Glenn Campbell, God Rest His Soul, he sang Wichita Lineman uh, up until... uh, uh, the day he passed away I believe and what was crazy is that I know he had some, uh, some memory issues but he would every time he sang a song he'd sing it word for word no teleprompter perfectly and uh, that just it, it's it, there are so that's why I'm focusing now on writing songs that are ageless because I still think you just change the arrangement a little bit my voice is bound to get you know I'm not going to be able to hit some of the notes I'm hitting now when I'm you know uh, hopefully I can Kenny
1: Loggins uh, d- again. But. <laughs> again, it's so funny. I was about to interrupt you and say, unless you're Kenny Loggins, I, I'm telling you, Rob. I think we're like the same.
0: I think we're like we were reincarnated. We're like the same. I think person. we share
1: the same brain. We
0: definitely share the same brain. And I was watching. I love by. If we can steer just a second away from the music, I love watching. I, I pulled up an old, um, uh, an older video of you. When you did your first, very first Entertainment Tonight uh, interview, oh my God. and just the way that you the the way, but uh, you say, "Oh my God!" But the way that you carried yourself and um, how you were so humble, and everyone's like, "All oh, these, these uh, all these fans adore you." And we're like, yes, but it's about hard work at the end of the day. That's the same. You know, it sounds cheesy, but it's like the same motto that I go by. And it was really
1: nice. I felt like I was looking at myself in some way. So now we have the same musical brain as well. Well. Thank you for saying it. I, I want to get. I want to talk about that, but I just want to tell you my Kenny Loggins thing quickly. I, I said, "Why can you still hit the high notes?" And he said, "It's because I've been divorced so much." I said, "What?" He goes, "Because I've had to pay for my divorces. I've never not been on the road, so my my voice." He's he's convinced that that as you get older, it's the time off that kills your voice. Yes, I think. It's 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 like working out. Yeah. It's
0: like if I, I, I once I once went on Christmas break and I didn't uh, I didn't produce a song for a month. And then when I got back to Berkeley in Boston, uh, in like two thousand and twelve, winter of two thousand and twelve, I wasn't really good at making beats because I was so rusty. You always have to just keep it moving. You always have to keep it going.
1: Hold the thought. We'll be right back. Speaking of beats, what was walk me through working with Little Wayne? How crazy was it? Was that I, like I would love to have been a fly on the wall for that? <laughs> I'm a big Little Wayne guy. See, that's the thing. Uh, like, like my diversity of right. friendships, my diversity of musical taste is also like I I can listen to the Carpenters and Little Wayne and appreciate both. Okay, so what I I had a song uh, is it, w- Instagram. There was a song I did
0: with Lil Wayne called Instagram Models. We'll start with that because not everybody knows this song. And it was a very, very early piece of work of mine. I wrote it in a sauna in 2013. And it's because in 2013, Instagram, the app started popping off. like everybody. I started seeing it on everybody's phones. And I said to myself, wow, I think this could trump Facebook hmm. because it's, it, it's, uh, it's getting really popular. And then I started to see um, models... Uh, male and female using Instagram because Instagram started purely out as a photographer's platform for photographers to show off their work. And then it became a platform of, you know, somewhat gloatitious, you know, modeling. Charlie,
1: I believe the uh, technical phrase is thirst trap.
0: (laughs) So I, I started seeing thirst traps left and right. And it made me coin the phrase. I'm pretty sure I wasn't the first to think of it, but I was like, wow, all these Instagram models, they're nothing but trouble because they're going to catfish these people. They're like, you know, they can do up their face and make themselves look different. And I thought to myself, that could be a cool song. And then I wrote... nothing trouble. And I wrote that hook and then sent it to Wayne um, about two years later, and then it became... It, that song has had three different lives. It was a SoundCloud song for me in 2013, written in a sauna, and then became a Lil Wayne song, and then became a number one dance record in the UK, someone who just sampled it. It was, it, it was wild. So you never know where music is going to take you, I guess.
1: Who's your favorite um, person on the scene today? Like When you're, when you're driving up to s- Santa Barbara in the car, who are you putting on? Let me see. Well, I have a very I've had a very big
0: fascination with Limp Biscuit playing at Woodstock ninety nine mm. just because they're the just the narrative, but they were the biggest band. This was before Eminem. Like Fred Durst, people don't give him enough credit. Uh he really set the stage for like that new metal uh like Nookie, Rollin, uh rappers rock yeah. kind of thing rebellious 1999 1999 was a weird year but i know there was a lot of controversy surrounding that performance but i just i've never seen people go crazier in an audience it was it, it was really something to see so i usually just put that youtube video on set my phone down and just go for uh, a drive up to uh, santa barbara uh, and if i'm not doing that i'm usually listening to walking man by james
1: taylor ah. Walking Man though. That's the one? Really? I I I love obscure
0: James Taylor songs. Like James Taylor has a song called Love Songs. It has a pan flute or some sort of uh uh some sort of flute. It's so drugged out 70s sounding. It goes <laughs> Cuz I would hear I that song. those types of chord changes. Yeah. You of course you know that song. <laughs> I mean, you're the it's you and me. We're you you and me are the only ones who know that song. <laughs> but I would hear those chords in a John Coltrane record, like Giant Steps, like. I would hear that in a record like he he put out a record called October Road in 2002, where he has a song called On the Fourth of July, and it goes around the cycle of fists like. Kind of
1: Brazilian influence, but I James is the man he's and the man Fred Durst and James Taylor again that's like both sides of the equation I'm I'm a copper line man myself and mm. th- that my birth year that came out.
0: I love the ambient that's that's that was a uh, again James Taylor had a lot of success later in his career as well it maybe arguably even more uh, when he put Hourglass out in 97 he got a Grammy for it mm-hmm. Um Copperline
1: uh, how many chord changes can you fit in the song he said <laughs> a lot one night I saw my daddy dance brought it back oh. from the war in France saw him moving like a man in a trance down on Copperline come Down on get the Copperline. fuck out of here I, with that lyric
0: come on I man. get I get I, I I get chills, like, he's his lyricism, his way of telling a story, but at the same time, making it phonetically so pleasing to sing along with, like, you listen to, like, you know, more of a known song like Fire and Rain, Yeah, that's a, just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Like, what a fucking way to open up a song, just yesterday morning, they let me know that you're gone, but... Think about what he's saying. Like, the way that he's singing it, it's it's so catchy. Like, just yesterday, like, that's what Max Martin, when he makes a Britney Spears record, you know, or a Backstreet Boys record, he never cared about what the lyrics were actually saying. He just cared about how the phonetics were connected to each other. James was able to do that and tell a cohesive story at the same time. That's insanely hard to do, and not a lot of artists uh can hold that off nowadays. I was thinking about now. Who is Livingston Taylor? Livingston Taylor
1: is James's brother. I believe he's his younger brother. Okay. And this makes perfect profet- sense because prof- forever that's he has that one massive hit. What is it? Oh,
0: what um I will be in love with you. I'll be in love with you. He had that and he had a couple others. Um obviously not on the scale of James, but Livingston is very special in his own uh, way, has really carved his way Has a very, very big cult following and as a uh, professor at Berkeley, um, uh, stage performance class, which I took Oh wow, I okay, three,
1: I'm so glad I three, know it because I, I knew, for years I thought it was James, and then you see it's Lucas and you've got the a son or a brother. Well, the, there's a lot
0: of talent running in the Taylor family I believe Ben Taylor um, Ben Taylor has a song called There's nothing that I can to you. It sounds—it's a perfect mixture of Carly Simon and James Ooh. Taylor. It's, if you haven't heard it, it's—it's a—it's a very, very beautiful song. I think he's living in like Martha's Vineyard somewhere. I just—I love that family because there's such talent running around, but they're not impressed with themselves at all. Like Livingston, very talented, very humble. James, same thing. Uh, and I got to work with James a couple times, and you know, you'd think that he'd be like I'm James Taylor, but not quite the opposite.
1: I love Carly Simon. You know what anticipation anticipations written about, right? I don't actually See, this is what I love. This is what I, I don't know everything. Are, are you are, listen, do you get tired of of my trivia shit like this or you're like, "No, that's a famous fucking big song," right? It'd be fun to know, no, right?
0: Be, no, n- n- no, I don't get tired of it at all, and I'll tell you why. Because I want to, I'll never forget something musical someone tells me, and then I'll tell it like I always knew it. <laughs> so please tell me what that song is written about. It's
1: Carly Simon being obsessed with a new, hot, sexy guy on the block, Cat Stevens. and no kidding. And waiting for him to pick her up for the first date. No kidding! Isn't that cool? So
0: she wrote. So she wrote that while they were, I guess, how people talked back in the day. That they were. there were. She, she wrote how she was waiting for
1: him, like uh, like she was anticipating she was the day. For him. That's just, for, I also I, I also think it's got the greatest, most genius lyric ever. These are the good old days. These are the good old days. These these are the good old days. Not in the past. Not in the future. Is so mm-hmm. profound and great, and it's so simple. I think I,
0: I think I'm living my best life right now because, and I'm and I'm making an active effort. I, don't, I I I think you told me to do this once. I'm making an active effort to realize that what I have going on in my life right now is at 28 is pretty amazing because at 24, I. May I, I? Maybe didn't realize that there was. I, I maybe there were times I took like everybody. we you know we're you're only human. No one's perfect, but that we took some things for granted. And I don't want to take anything for granted ever again because I'm going to be 30 and I'm going to think back. Wow, I had a lot of fun at 28, and then I'll be 32 and think about wow, I had a lot of fun at 30. So I truly believe the best times are upon us right now.
1: Yeah, it's you know my 20s for me were you know some of the, cr- the the biggest times of of my life my career and in 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 many many ways and and you you cycle if you're lucky you know and you know you have talent so you you will be one of the lucky ones but you you cycle through so many different um periods where the the highs are maybe lower and the lows are higher and the, or whatever it is and and you can still have the same amount of energy behind it but it's just going to be different you know um yeah you know having a hit in your 20s is a very different thing than having a hit in your 50s and right um right and the experience like what you think is cool about it is completely different <laughs> than what right. what you thought it was and do you know this whole thing that people say that the year of 24 in your chronological 24th year is the height of your songwriting abilities I don't mean to say that to bum you out because you're past your 24th year but if you look at all of the songs that were written when guys and gals were 24 it's insane Mm -hmm. you've heard that I know you've heard that right it's it's I've I have heard
0: that and I don't I don't necessarily agree with a hundred percent of it because I wrote I okay, I wrote see you again at like twenty-three. Give me a little see you again. Give me give
1: me a little bit, give me a little bit of that sugar.
0: <laughs> I'll give it to in a sexy version. been right. a long day without you, my friend. That's the 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 the, uh, the Barry White version.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, I got another White thing had for you in this voice. Have you ever wow. heard the Barry White public service announcement audio?
0: No, oh. but I can imagine what that would sound like. What okay. does he say?
1: Everybody listening, it takes it takes some finding. But there's a, the greatest mm-hmm. video of Barry White with that amazing voice. Reading a public service announcement for some charity event in Waco, Texas, it's oh it's it's right up there with Casey Kasem going ballistic in terms of <laughs> like it is the absolute greatest
0: thing. Um God rest your soul, Barry White. My favorite Simpsons episode was have you ever seen it? season four? Uh, when the town thinks that they have to continue on with this tradition of beating rattlesnakes up. <laughs> it was that when The Simpsons was at its prime. Yeah. Every They didn't know why. The townies didn't know why that they had to, on this day of, in March, get their bats and beat the living shit out of snakes in Springfield. <laughs> but, like, they just have to. And Bart got together with Barry White, and Barry <laughs> sang a song about the importance of not beating up the snakes. That's amazing. It's so. Oh man, The Simpsons used to be the the best show ever. It's
1: the greatest show ever. And hey, we'll be right back after this. Were you ever able to hear the Everly Brothers? No. That th- I think if I if I'm going for best all time harmonies, I'm putting them over Simon and Garfunkel. Really? I'm like really not familiar with them. Yeah, they're I mean, it's very da- it's very dated um but if you I, I just treat yourself to like Dream. By the way, written when they were 16. Dream. Oh yeah. Dream
0: dream dream. dream. Bob, I've obviously, I've heard, I've heard that song before, but it's so interesting. I'm assuming that was like a 50s thing. That was like a song that would make people cry in the 50s and What's what makes people yes. cry nowadays is just it's so like that would be considered upbeat if it with the with the drum pattern and everything. Uh it's it's like what makes people cry nowadays is like a Billy Eilish song with no drums in it. Yeah. And, like complete halftime. It's just really interesting yep. to see. I think we're gonna get back to those days of where happy songs can also be sad. Like happy key
1: changes can be sad. Well, that's like you know who does that great is Casey Musgraves. Um, oh it's my like, god, that album, Golden Hour. Oof, dude, what the fuck? Where, like when I heard that album, I, I was blown away. It, and 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 because it is, it's happy sad music. It's exactly what you're saying. It's she actually she, has she literally has a song called ha- "Happy and Sad." Yeah, which is an amazing song. Preston's. I have a question for you. Is there what's the song lyric? that you, heard, like, big hit song, heard it your whole life, and many, many years later you went, wait a minute, that's the lyric? I never knew that. Like, for me, it's... Um, the... It, uh, yeah, go for it. What is it? No, you
0: tell me yours, and then I'll tell you mine,
1: because I'll, I'll, yours is going to be more interesting. Mine's, um, is in Bo- Boston song, More Than a Feeling, it's... More than a feeling When I hear that old song, babe more than a feeling And there's actually a whole fucking phrase In there That I never heard Which is When I hear that old song That I used to play Like there's something about that part because
0: I never heard Ever Because that might be one of the greatest melodies Ever made Like your your mind is so fixated on the G, G major to the F sharps To the seven to the D da, 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 da. Like there's, there's nowhere to go Except It's just so pleasing to hear that melody. Like you don't care what the lyric is. For me, it was the Pina Colada song. I didn't know it was him about uh, getting divorced from his wife and then you know going to a bar and asking, "Hey, does anybody want to get with me?" <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that that that's what that song was about. it what
1: I can't pull up the lyrics right now. I, I'm I, know li- thing, worry, but I know the don't worry. I know the lyrics. Sadly, what what does it first start off with? It's, I, well, in the well, verse. it's like it's, it's, like it's kind of obvious because the I hate to bring it to you. The first lyric is, I was tired of my lady.
0: <laughs> but like, I don't even, I don't, I, that It's that's one of those songs that's just like, I just know it as the Pina Colada song. It feels like Pina Colada.
1: My favorite is the, is the performance in it where it's like, he's trying to like hook up with a stranger. His wife is in the bed next to him, knows nothing about it. But meanwhile, you realize that she's also been trying to hook up with a stranger and then they meet in the bar, yeah. and he literally says in the thing, and, and, and I knew her smile in an instant, and I said, ah, uh, it's you. Like, there's no, like, what the fuck? There's, like, it's the weirdest. Yeah. But it's the weirdest song. A little pina colada here, a little uh, pina colada song, Devin. It was my own lovely lady, and she said, oh, it's you. Ah, oh, it's
0: you. I never... I, <laughs> that That's the Rob version. I just, I miss artists disguising shady lyricism in happy songs that dichotomy it's nowadays if you have a if you sing a sad song the music sounds sad no everyone's afraid to take fucking risk nowadays like just make something completely like i wrote a song called we don't talk anymore that sounds it has a spanish guitar in it and it's in a happy major key and it it's 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 about a crumbling relationship that is going well the moment you wrote it. But you can just see the foreseeable future that it's going to be toxic. Yeah. Like but like it, it needs to be not everything
1: has to be so parallel. That's why I like the Pina Colada song. It's so I was like you will you tell me this. So when when um that's a perfect example, the name of the song is Escape. Right. Parenthetically the Pina Colada song. So, how does that happen? Is it one right. of those things where you play it for the? Uh, it's it's so clearly should be called the Pina Colada song, or God yeah. forbid, Pina Colada. But no, 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 yeah. no, yeah. no, no. The artist is like, no, it's called Escape because don't you understand? The character is trying to escape from a relationship, and it's so. How does that ha- happen? Does, it, does the record company go fuck it? We'll call it Escape. Let keep him happy. Meanwhile, parenthetically, it's the Pina Colada song.
0: Usually, it's the audience. Just you, just feel it. Like, uh, uh, for I wrote a song called "How Long Has This Been Going On," and they wanted me to make the title shorter. So it would, you know, they saw it on their their yeah. app, uh, it would just be a shorter title. But they didn't know that Ace had a hit
1: that's right. my first thing I thought it's, Has it's, been, it's been well, by the way with the great they had with a hit. the greatest lyric you're friends with their fancy persuasions amazing <laughs> lyric in that song damn it ama- amazing you're amazing your
0: friends lyric. with your but fancy persuasions they, they they had a hit with a long title you can have long titles Taylor Swift had we are never getting back together you can have long titles but I, and but uh, lo and behold, I did some, you know, radio promo and people just naturally started calling the song. How long has this been going on? And then which when I was on tour playing for 15000 people, I started playing the notes and I was like, everyone wants this song called. And they all went, how long has this been going on? And it's like, see, it ended up, it's just you have to kind of put your artist ego aside in some cases and be like, not everyone is going to understand the. Ninth dimension meaning of this lyric. You just have to say what it is. What is the song called? It's called Pina Colada.
1: <laughs> it's pina Colada. Hey, uh, so I know that you, you, what's the, you're, you like write jingles and nobody, like, uh, you did a podcast jingle for somebody, didn't you? Yeah. I, my friend Zach Braff and Donald, um,
0: who were on the show Scrubs, the uh Zach, the best show yeah. ever. Uh, shout out to Bill. And by the Warren, way, Zach, Zach Braff's.
1: Um, oh, Only Living Boy in New York, which we just discussed, came to my attention yes. in Zach Braff's amazing movie, Garden State. Written, directed, and
0: acted. He, Zach is a very,
1: very. He's, he's a a stud. Savant, That very, movie very is amazing. Guy, amazing movie.
0: What, what a handsome man. He's a good man. Um, and he reached out and said that he was doing this podcast because uh, I think. You know, it was right at the beginning of COVID and everybody just kind of realized that we all need and entertainment is going to thrive. Yep. And he reached out and asked if I could write a little uh, a little ditty for it. And he and Donald are actually put pretty musically inclined. They used to sing on the show Scrubs all the time. They had their their man love song mm-hmm. that did very yep. well on the show. So they I didn't I didn't really even write it. I just put chords to it they sang into their microphones into garage band and then i just took their vocals and placed them and just made a little beat for it and they said they wanted it to sound like uh uh you know joyful uh you know walking in the line of jesus gospel <laughs> kind of sounds. well fun. i want to
1: play um my uh opening theme for you and and get your musicologist berkeley education <laughs> like <laughs> review of it all right Alright, please. Devin, let's okay. let's hit him with it. <laughs> and we're back with Charlie Puth. Wow. That's
0: WNBC. That's really good. Nice big happy key. It's very Rob. It sounds like a Rob
1: load. Does it sound like like literally? It's 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 like it's got a little boys of summer. Don Henley guitar at the op- at yeah. the beginning. I love the
0: You could easily if you wanted to be super cheeky, you could just fit your name into that.
1: Roblo, I am Roblo. I am Roblo. I am Roblo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I would I would be like cheeky with that. And you, you have a good vowel, the O vowel in your last name, so you could like harmonize it I like am
1: oh, Roblo, Roblo. Roblo.
0: <laughs> I, this love, show. I love, I love this, this show, I love this show. I love this <laughs> show.
1: I am Rob Lowe. That might be <laughs> the most. The most ridiculous lyrics are oftentimes the best. It sounds really good. I mean, good. I thought you'd like it. It's just, it's, a, it is literally an mm-hmm. earworm. It like gets in your head, and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're fucked. You're done. Yeah, exactly. I also wanted something that you knew the minute you heard it. You knew it was no, There was no way it could be anything other than what it is.
0: No, it's 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 well. I mean, the theme of this show is your love for yacht rock, so it, <laughs> I'm not expecting to hear the opening of the Howard Stern show with you know him and Rob Zombie. But uh, it's 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 your version of that. It's really nice. Then now you got to get Don Henley. I'm sure you can pull oh, some, um, pull some strings. So you got to get like I'm, you got to get Michael McDonald to sing. If you got Michael McDonald, fuck me. Get Michael McDonald to sing. I I, I love, love, love Rob Lowe. Love.
1: Rob <gasps> forgetting forgetting so good you've seen the um did you ever look at the video i I told you about of i think it's s c t v of of <laughs> and I asked Martin short about this when he was on the show um of Michael McDonald forgetting to sing all the parts in I Keep Forgetting, and he leaves the studio, and gets in his car, and realizes he's not done singing and has to keep going back into the studio. It's the dumbest comedy bit I've ever seen, and it's <laughs> no, so I, good. Oh, it's like a
0: comedy bit. No, I haven't seen that, but I could only uh, – he does so many vocal stacks in that song.
1: It's amazing. I um, yeah. I actually bought his house in uh, – in Mon- the first time I ever came to Santa Barbara – to to look for a house i wanted to buy his house i didn't get it i got outbid Mm. and then 17 years later um i was we were building a house and needed another house to live in and i did buy his house Mm. and um he's the nicest man um and i mean he's the voice of of 70s hits man
0: for sure no he's i i I did a little impression of him on uh on, on the Jimmy Fallon show, and that went over very, very well. And I hope he saw it. I think he did see it because
1: someone said he wanted to. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. More. If you if you don't think uh, you're not getting off this podcast without giving me some Michael McDonald, bro. Come on, uh, he's my guy. Uh,
0: he, he, see, he can sing forever because he kind of yawns when he sings, so he doesn't really uh, put too much uh, strenuous Hello. energy on. He had a place in his life. I'm so bad with lyrics in the ears. And he right Everybody has know watching her go. But a fool They're, they're, so so when good. they did that live, it was better than the studio version. It was insane. That was pretty good. Thank you. Not nearly as good as the man himself, but good for party tricks. Really good for
1: party tricks. Well, this has been amazing. This has been so much fun. I, we need to do. I'm, we we need to do part two of this. I'm just I'm just calling this right now. Your, part two of this. Part two of this. But I'm going to come at it with a set list, and as should you. And we'll go. As, as long as you put I Love Rob Lowe in
0: your theme song background and you should get – this keyboard I'm playing, I don't know why. You can easily get one of these. Like, Even though you can't – if you can't play, like it's still just the aesthetic of it. Well, let me ask
1: you this. Is it – I love – is it I Am Rob Lowe, which requires me to sing it? Or is it better with – maybe I can get Michael McDonald to sing Here is Rob Lowe. Yes, here, that would be... Here, here and then, is his show.
0: That's it. That's the, only, that's the lyric. And then every, you start with Michael McDonald, then you get Don Henley, if Don does it, and then you get another person, and then by the end, by the 100th Rob Lowe show, yep. you will have a We Are The World mm-hmm. amount of people on your theme music, and it'll be legendary. Oh, and we- every week you get to say, who did we who did we add this week? Ah, we added Stevie Nicks. Ah, who did we add this week? It's every every week another
1: person joins the stack of Rob Lowe singers. Uh, Dude, we... Okay, guys, make a note of this. Every time we have somebody who can sing... <laughs> okay, just to have it then, we're going to do this one more time, and I'm going to shut my big fucking yap, and you're going to okay. sing it. Wait, but, well, let's, I'm going to sing it. Listen, let's co-write this right now. What is the lyric? Is it, here is... Uh, here is Rob
0: Lowe. This Here is his, is his, his show. Show. This is his show. Here is Rob Lowe. This is his show. <laughs> Here is Rob Lowe. You go Now, I want you to take every time you have, even if they can't sing, you have to stack their voice on top of mine, and
1: then you're going to have a 100-person Rob Lowe choir at the end of this podcast. I- I'm so there. Brian Wilson can eat his heart out. It's going to be the equivalent of
0: going backstage at a 400-person venue and signing the wall in the bathroom.
1: Exactly. I'm not making them <laughs> do that stupid, hacked-out, tired old, hey, will you sign our wall? No, sing my song. Sing the song. <laughs> I mean god damn, how did we not get Maria Shriver to sing this? I'm certain fucked you up. Can do that. <laughs> god darn it. Um thank you. This is this is fucking amazing. This is great. Awesome. Thanks for coming thank on literally. Buddy. And I I am Roblo. I am Roblo. Goodbye, Roblo. This is the end of the show. Show.
0: All right. I'll see you soon, friend.
1: All right, brother. Love you. I have a new theme song. I have a new theme song. How great is that? See, that's the way you get shit for free, people. You have people come on the show and you just hit them. Can you imagine if I, like, you know what I want? I want Charlie Puth to do my theme. I'd have to talk to an agent. And then a manager and then a lawyer and then they negotiate and it'd be so expensive and then I couldn't do it. And now I have it because he's a nice guy, nice, smart, like I love it. makes me, it just makes me happy that there's kids today that, um, you know, are going to carry the flag of good music. Really, for sure it does. Um, but that was so fun. Um, And I hope you guys didn't get too bored with the the nerdy geekdom of music that is, let's face it, old man music. Um, All right. Thank you so much for listening. And um, we've got a really uh, uh, excellent podcast uh, next week. So get ready and I'll see you then. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by Devin Tory Bryant. And me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Burm. The show is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff for Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn, and music is by Devin Tory Bryant. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher.